We're, we're recording. Okay, I forgot what I said. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Whew. Hi, I'm Gates. And I'm Kelsey. And welcome to Killer Country. intro so I mean it's fine it's a it's a Tuesday and uh, isn't it though? it has been the Mondayest of Tuesdays ever it is and then pregnancy brain on top of that and this is technically only our fourth episode that we reported yeah but we're already professionals and I know all of you can tell yes especially because we don't have as much not feedback what's that word that I'm looking echo. for we don't have as much echo as we did yep. previously we're working on our echo situation yes so uh, that reminds me um, if I I'm gonna make a memo to myself to um, get some soundproofing yes our foam pads perfect well I do have to admit I I gypped you guys on the episode from last week you did I, I did I ed- <laughs> I edited it out and I even did it without telling Gates I was so <laughs> upset whenever I heard it because I was like yes we're going to tell these people some awesome news and then I only heard half of it and I was like Kelsey <laughs> and let me tell you why so my family is very spread out Matthew and I have lived together in a lot of different places so we have friends literally everywhere mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, I put it in my head that it was really important for me to tell some of these people the news in person. And those people didn't get told before the episode would have been posted. So, without further ado, <laughs> I too am pregnant. <laughs> so, we are both pregnant. And can, well, I guess we can both tell, or I can tell about how we actually yeah. found out that we were pregnant. So this was before Killer Country was actually a podcast. We had already met, though. Like, yes. we were, we talked, I think we met, met up one time only. Yes. We had, so I did the interview where I interviewed yep. everyone, and I decided that we, we clicked. Yep, for so sure. So there was no way that I could not do the podcast with you. Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> okay, I couldn't do the podcast without you. There yes, we go. got you. <laughs> and um, so we met up once at your house. Your husband mm-hmm. showed us how to podcast. Yep. And then we were going to get together again to do something else. I think it was just I think iron we, out some Yeah, I think we were just going to like start laying out the plan. Like mm-hmm. this was because this was very early because we met up like four or five times before we even started like recording. Um, so yeah, we were just laying out the plan and like trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I we had were, the bright idea to go over at eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And I wasn't sure if Kelsey was a morning person. So I'm like, hey, is eight o'clock okay? It was on like a Saturday or a Sunday. Yeah, and we were going to meet up the next day. Mm-hmm. And I was out and about. I was like, I'm literally in the TJ Maxx when he texted me. Oh, man. And because, no, we, we were going to meet later in the day, I thought. Because how did that happen? Because I was in TJ Maxx and he texted me and you were like, I was texting you about the next morning meeting yes. over. And you were like, I'll stop and grab coffee on my way. And I was like, well, I'm trying to cut back on coffee. Like, trying to be nonchalant because I was like, <laughs> like, like, we're friends. We know each other. But, like, I don't know if we're on that level of friendship yes, yet. Not yet. <laughs> so, and she was like. Me too. Yeah. You're, I think I probably still have the text. Oh, I do too. You're like. So, let's, let's pause. 
you're the last person that I text, so we're going to go back to our text. We text a lot. I know. For, people, for a person that doesn't text much, apparently we text a lot. I know. I always feel so bad because without fail, you'll text me as soon as I, like, leave my phone somewhere, and I'll come back, like, hours later, and there's messages. I'm like, do I reply, or do oh, I just, like, wait till I see you in a couple hours? Yes. <laughs> I think it happened twice today at work. And at work, like, if my phone is not being used, I don't even know where it is half the time. Mm -hmm. I'm glued to my phone. I'm always reading or yeah. doing something. So at 11.04 a.m. on Saturday, October, Saturday, <laughs> August the 7th, I texted you and I said, hey, what time tomorrow would be best for you? And you said, hey, really, any time is fine. We just have to leave our house at no later than 11 for Matt's grandma's birthday. Can I say your husband's name? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Matt's grandma's birthday. We're usually up early too. I said, would eight be too early? I'll bring the coffee. And you said, not at all. I've cut back on my coffee, so don't worry about me. <laughs> I get it. I was trying to be nonchalant. Yes, like... you were. And I tried to be as well. And I was like, um, I would have planned for today, but I missed the morning part of the text. Is there a reason you're cutting back on your coffee? I just found out I have to live at my caffeine intake. And you said, LOL, no worries. Are you pregnant? <laughs> With five exclamation points and a question mark. So in all caps, I replied, are you? And he said, yes, in all caps. And I said, no effing way, me too. And the rest of this conversation is in all capital letters with 50 million exclamation points. Happening from my side in the middle of TJ Maxx, specifically the bra aisle, because bras don't fit. Like, early on, nothing fit me anymore, and nothing was comfortable. So I was like, I got to find something. And I did. I stood at, you know, the little bra and undies aisle, and that's where I was. Yeah, and I was outside at the time that we were texting, and I ran inside. My husband was sleeping at the time, and um, I run, and I'm like, Nick, guess what? And he just looks over at me, and he's like, what? And I said, Kelsey's pregnant, too. And he said, okay, is Kelsey again? I was like, the girls that I'm doing the podcast with. So you had found out... Um, but we both found out on Thursday. Yes, literally found out the same day. And then our due date is the exact same day. Mm -hmm. It's actually my husband, Matt's birthday. Yes. So, sorry, babe, you're losing that to the <laughs> sweet, sweet babes. Um, and that's going to be April 18th, 2022. Yes. And I found out what I'm having, so my husband and I get to welcome a bouncing baby boy. We're so excited. <laughs> and I'm going to counter that with a sweet baby girl. <laughs> yes. And they're going to be best friends. We're going to set up a nice little play area that they can hang out in while we're podcasting. Yes. So now not only will you have Tack being a part of the podcast, <laughs> you will have baby, hopefully, coos and giggles, but definitely not no, screaming. No. Our babies are not going to scream. <laughs> Somewhere yeah, <laughs> right. So, so now that we've given that wonderful news, yes. is there anything else crazy that's been happening this week for you? For me, no. I guess recent in true crime, the Brian Laundry case is just kind of moving along at a slug pace, mm -hmm. but um, I don't know. I don't know if that's one we'll cover, but 
just one that's obviously prevalent in the news and everybody I know is keeping a watchful eye on. If you are doing research on it, just make sure it's a reliable resource. Yes, and one of my biggest pet peeves about that case is the fact that people keep refer- referring to Brian as Gabby's fiancé. Yeah. He's not her fiancé. No. They decided to take a step back and they decided that they would be dating. So they, are, they were not engaged at the time of her murder. Right. Which... Hence the murder, possibly. Yes. yes. <laughs> And I still, I, I was probably not reading a correct source, and it just came across my feed about how the remains could not have been Brian, which I don't think that they are. Well, I don't know, because they did identify through dental records, which mm-hmm. are, is typically pretty reliable when it comes to remains, mm-hmm. um, especially, well, depending on the decay. I, but I guess if they were underwater, they would decay faster. Mm-hmm. But they, I did... Um, Overliable source. I did um, hear on the way over, I was listening to it, um, that they had not confirmed through DNA testing okay. that it was him. Yeah. So they did confirm through um, dental records, have not through DNA. Yeah. So I don't know. It's one of those things. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think we'll have answers until there are answers. So nope, Not anytime soon, at least. Yep. So moving on into... Arkansas. Arkansas. I almost, I almost said the next state. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. Um, Not that you guys don't know what comes after Arkansas, but you know. Arizona. Arkansas. After, California. <laughs> California is after Arkansas. We already did Arizona. Yeah, I know. I thought you were saying, just ignore me. Just. Please. I just about introduced us into traveling into California. And then thought that our listeners wouldn't know what state came after Arkansas. Okay, so I was on the phone with my best friend before we pulled up to my house. Mm -hmm. And um, I was talking to her and I was like, yeah, um, we're going to present on two cases tonight. Like, we've got to record it because we didn't record last week. And uh, we're doing Arkansas and California. And she just, like, kind of paused for a second. She was like, I just now realized that there aren't any bee states. (laughs) No. No, there are not. There are not. There are uh, no Bs. Also, no Qs. Yes, there are quite a few letters that there are no states for. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, we we are all entitled to our blonde moments. That's Unfortunately, right. between the two of us, I am supposed to be the blonde. So, and especially because I am pregnant, and my pregnancy brain has just. It has melted my brain. Oh, but it's the most glorious thing. You just blame everything on it. Oh, I do, though. I seriously do. So, I'm the most excited about Arkansas. So, I do this thing every time before we record. Okay. And I'll call my little sister, Brianna, mm-hmm. in which her birthday is technically today, but by the time that this comes out, it'll be the day before my other sister's birthday. Oh. Yes. So, happy birthday, Brittany. I saw that we have some listeners in Sherwood, Arkansas, and that's where my sister lives. Oh. <laughs> so, happy B-Day, Brittany. I love you. But, um, I read her my California case and my Arkansas case. And the thing about our Arkansas case is I am doing the big one, mm-hmm. like, to, at least to me in Arkansas. Definitely. And Brian was like, yeah, um, I know you had a lot more information on California, but Arkansas is my favorite just because I'm biased because that's where we grew up. Right. And I, I listened, I did a lot of research on the case that I'm going to be presenting to you guys today. There were some things that I found out that I didn't know, and there was this podcast that I tried to listen to that uh, went over the case as well. And I tried to listen to it. I got in about two minutes before they kept saying Alma that I just, I couldn't do it. It is Alma. 
It is Alma, <laughs> Arkansas. We're not that fancy. Let me tell you. <laughs> so I'm. It is. Pre- it is spelt like alma mater. It is. It is. But it we're. We're Alma, Arkansas. We're, we're Alma. We ain't fancy. <laughs> through and through. <laughs> yes. So I'm going to be presenting in Alma. Where are you presenting at today? I am in Fayetteville. Oh, okay. Yes. Fayetteville. Very nice. Well, I guess as tradition goes, the person with the lowest letter. Lowest no. letter? First letter. First letter. Alphabetical. Yes. <laughs> and I promise one of these times, it's going to be me going first. <laughs> yes. It will be one of these days. <laughs> So let's travel to my hometown. We're gonna go to Alma, Arkansas, and it's not Alma. Not Alma. It's Alma. (laughs) We're going to Alma, Arkansas, and it is also known as the spinach capital of the world. Oh, Popeye and all. Yes. So um, there is a spinach packing plant there, and it has a big picture of Popeye on the front. That's amazing. It's phenomenal. I passed it every day on my way home from school. So, uh, in 1990, the population was 3,305 people, and in 2000, it was 4,178 people, so if we average it out in 1995, we'll say that the population of Alma was 3,741, but no matter what measurement we're using, it is still a small town, so small that everyone knows everything about everyone. At the time, we didn't have a Walmart, we had a local Harps, Mm -hmm. and you couldn't walk into the local Harps without knowing someone. So Alma is located about 20 miles away from the Oklahoma state line on the west and about 80 miles south from the Missouri state line. Okay. And so this is kind of where we jump into our story. So Morgan Nick was born to Colleen and John Nick on September 12, 1988 in a town called Ozark, Arkansas. It's about 30 minutes away from where our story is taking place. On Friday, June the 9th, 1995, Colleen and her daughter, Morgan, were invited to attend a Little League baseball game at the Alma ballpark. Even though they were living in Ozark at the time, they made the 30-minute drive to Alma to watch the games. Around 10.30 p.m., Morgan started to get restless and begged her mom to let her go a few few yards away to the parking lot with her friends to chase lightning bugs or fireflies. What do you call them? Um, oh god, you're putting me on the spot. I don't know. (laughs) What do I call them? I don't know. I think lightning bugs. Okay. Yeah, it's a lightning bug. So, um... I need, Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I need to tell you this crazy story about um, the story about lightning bugs and fireflies whenever we're not recording. I'm pretty sure Nick and I witnessed like some spy stuff going on a couple oh. years ago whenever we first moved to Huntsville. With lightning bugs? It was about lightning bugs. So, do you want to pause this and I'll tell you? Yeah. Okay. We're back. I just uh, blew Kelsey's mind by letting her know that we have a fallout shelter here in Huntsville, Alabama. Yep. I'm not prepared. It definitely doesn't fit all the people. It's not. It's so tiny. I'm going to be first in line. I will be like, I'll probably be sleeping. I'll sleep through the whole thing. That's not good. Yeah. Okay. So, back to Morgan. Um, after begging and begging, Colleen finally relented and let her go, mainly because not only would she be a few yards away, but Colleen would be able to see her as she was catching the fireflies. Besides, the game was almost over, and little did she know that she was not the only one watching Morgan catch fireflies with her friends. So 15 minutes later, when the ball game ended, all of Morgan's friends returned, but she was not with them. They said that they had left her near her mom's Nissan Stanza, emptying the stands out of, sand out of her shoes next to a man in a red pickup truck that had a white camper shell on top. Colleen and her friend searched the parking lot for a four-foot-tall, 55-pound girl, 
in a green Girl Scout shirt and white tennis shoes, but found no sound of... Apparently talking about Arkansas <laughs> brings out the southern in me. <laughs> so they found no sign of Morgan or the man in the red truck. They immediately contacted the police whenever they found out that she was actually missing. And you remember how I said that Alma is a small town? Mm-hmm. The police were there within six minutes. Wow. Yeah. That's not something that you would see no, somewhere here. No, that's an incredible response. Yeah. So, witnesses came forward and told the police exactly what Morgan's friends told Colleen. They described the suspect as a white male between the ages of 23 and 38, around 180 pounds, medium build, six foot tall with a slicked back, salt and pepper hair, and mustache with a one inch thick beard. And they said that he spoke with a hillbilly accent. Okay. So, so real country. <laughs> so, real country. And I was talking to my little sister. And all of our family has super thick accents. Yeah. Like, I asked my husband, you want some sweet iced tea? <laughs> but I didn't say sweet iced tea. And he was sweet like, tea. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> he wants some of that too, though. <laughs> yes, he does. So, uh, but yeah, so if they're saying that this man spoke with a hillbilly accent, like, it had to have been thick. He came right out the holler. Yes, he did. But more. <laughs> but more. So they said that his uh, truck was a red Ford with a low wheelbase with paint that had seemed to dull with age. With a little damage on the rear passenger side, it had a white camper shell with curtains over the windows, and the camper shell was shorter than the bed of the truck. The truck also had Arkansas plates, so we know that it didn't come from Oklahoma, which was Mm -hmm. just a short drive away. Immediately, the police began searching for the red Ford truck, in the hopes to find Morgan, but just like Colleen and her friends, they had no luck. The most disturbing thing that the police found was that that same night that Morgan had went missing, a mother had reported that a white male attempted to abduct her four-year-old daughter, Mm. and they even described the same red truck that was reported with Morgan's abduction. Even more disturbing was the next day, on June 10th, less than 15 miles away in... um, I didn't write it down because I lived there. Um... (laughs) In Fort Smith, Arkansas, there was another report of an attempted abduction, this time of a nine-year-old girl, and once again, the male matched the description of Morgan's abductor. This is the, like, I, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about what I'm about to read to you guys, mm-hmm. and the picture with the caption, just, like, to this day, like, I don't think, I, can mm-hmm. you see this? Yeah. So, police released a sketch of the man with the chilling words below. I was seen with Morgan Nick in Alma on Friday, June 9th, 1995. Your hesitation to call the police and tell them who I am, for whatever reasons, mean I could abduct your loved one next time. Ooh, I just got chill bumps. Yeah, I have full body chills. Mm -hmm. Like, I... Well, it it puts it back on you, like, Mm -hmm. the citizens. Like, somebody somebody has seen this guy before. Mm -hmm. Somebody knows who this person is. Mm -hmm. Nobody comes from nowhere. Exactly. I mean, it's a small town. Yeah. Like, even if this man was just traveling through, someone right. had to have recognized Spoken him. Spoken to him. Mm-hmm. Ran his credit card, taking cash from him, something. Mm-hmm. This was a combined effort. We had the local police, the county police, the state police, and com- in combination with the FBI and U.S. Marshals. They mm-hmm. all joined together to help search for Morgan and follow up on literally several thousands of leads. Wow. So it's not that people didn't come forward. There were a ton of people that came forward. It's just these leads 
might not have led somewhere Mm. or so many people would have had the same lead right they distributed flyers with pictures of morgan along with flyers of her abductor morgan's case made national news and colleen to this day is still vocal about finding her daughter so once again leads are still coming in to this day colleen says that the different law enforcement agencies are still getting at least one tip a week wow yeah still to 2021 to 2021. Wow. And I'll touch on that later, but they're uh, making a docu-series about her as well. Good. And um, they'll that might even bring in more leads because mm-hmm. it's going to be on HBO. No, it's going to be on Paramount+. Plus. Wow. Back to 1996. <laughs> about a year after, after Morgan's abduction, Colleen founded the Morgan Nick Foundation, which to this day still helps support families with missing loved ones. Colleen and the Foundation are trying to pass new legislation and education regarding children abductions. Another of their goals is to reduce the number of child abductions by educating children and to give them the necessary skills to protect them from possible abductors. So I started kindergarten in 2000, Mm -hmm. and that was five years after Morgan was abducted. And I still remember the lessons that were taught to us, and I plan on teaching my children, our children, you know, Mm -hmm. the same thing. Uh, Remember how... Whenever we first started this podcast, we talked about what introduced us to true crime. Mm -hmm. Well, I mentioned this story and how big Stranger Danger was and how my family and I had passwords. That's all thanks to Morgan Nick, Mm -hmm. like the Morgan Nick Foundation, Colleen Nick. In 1996, Arkansas changed the name of the abduction emergency alert, you know, the Amber Alert. Mm -hmm. It's now the Morgan Morgan Nick Alert System. Hmm. And it's been that way since 96. In 1997, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children released the first picture of Morgan that shows what she would like look like two years later as an eight-year-old. So children grow in age at such a fast rate that investigators will usually commission age-progressed images of missing children just to depict an updated appearance. Systemic research has found that this leads to accurate recognition rates compared to outdated photos. Morgan Nick has pictures of depicting her as eight, 12, 27, and 32-year-olds. I feel like I remember seeing more pictures of her growing up, you know, as the years had gone mm-hmm. on. But these are the main, like, pictures that I found, like, the main ages in those pictures. It's so chilling, like, to hear you say that. Like, you've seen more pictures of her growing up. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not pictures of her growing up. No. Those are age-progressed pictures provided to you by authorities mm-hmm. because she's not there. No. It's she, Because she's been chilling for 26 years. Mm-hmm. Now, in 2002, police were called to a private property in Boonville, Arkansas. It's about an hour southwest after they received a tip claiming that Morgan might have been buried there. Now, the police said that the tip was so specific that they felt that they needed to bring a police dog or cadaver dog and dig there. After a long day at the location, they ended their search around 9.30 p.m. and told reporters that they did not intend to return there. In 2005, the Nick family was featured on Extreme Makeover Home Edition. Oh, I love that show. Ty Pennington is my yes. crush. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. I was I was so frustrated. So they actually lived um, a couple streets over. Like, mm-hmm. we kind of lived in the same neighborhood, but it was, I mean, it's Alma, Arkansas. Yeah. It's tiny. <laughs> but you turned off a road, and we kind of lived off that same road. And my entire family got signatures from the entire what? cast. But I was with my family in Oklahoma. 
So did, did they get to go and like be a part of the crowd and everything? Yeah, they oh actually got to help work on the house too. It was my dream. We used to watch Extreme Makeover Home Edition every Sunday night. Yes. And like my dream to meet Ty Pennington, oh, man. Man. And it was a wonderful house. Like, Tony Hawk came out. Uh, she has a wow. son. It, my memory could be foggy. Um, I was friends with one of his friends. and Tony um, Hawk? No, not Tony oh. Hawk. Um, no, uh, Colleen's son. Oh, I'm gotcha. pretty sure his name was Logan. Of course, I didn't want to include um, her other yeah, children sure. in this just because we. I really wanted to focus on Morgan. Mm-hmm. But uh, Tony Hawk came and built him like a skate ramp in the back. That's so cool. It was so cool. I'm going to have to look up that episode now. Yeah. So it was in 2005. But the reason why they had come to the house was because their water heater exploded. Oh, no. And Colleen is such a staple in the area mm-hmm. just because they go and they do the teachings and educations at all of the schools there. So they really wanted to go ahead and help her out. They also um, did a little feature on Morgan Nick as well to kind Good. of get more tips in. So now we are going to fast forward to 2010. 30 minutes from Alma, in a town called Spiro, Oklahoma, police searched a vacant house for DNA evidence that could show that Morgan was taken there after her abduction. So that was back in 2010. Mm -hmm. In 2017, police returned to the house to conduct another search after receiving another tip. Cadaver dogs were once again brought in after they were alerted that there could be a hidden well on the property. The Alma police chief at the time was Russell White, and he had said that the property was searched the property that was searched previously belonged to someone that was a person of interest very early on in the disappearance of Morgan. He didn't state who it was. There were so many, like yeah. even my sister's father was one of the people that wow. was brought in that was questioned. Just because he was a white male living in the area. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, that he had a beard at the time. <laughs> I'm pretty sure after that he ended up shaving his beard off. And yeah, but well, I mean, at that point like it's at no fault of the people being questioned like mm-hmm. police literally have to ask everyone who meets the who meets the demographic that they are searching for yeah it was a person of interest in the disappearance but at the time both in 2010 and 2017 um the person of interest was behind bars and they were never able to connect him to the abduction of morgan but they weren't able to clear him either And unfortunately, the LaFleur County Sheriff later said that there was no evidence related to Morgan that was uncovered during their search. Hmm. Let's backtrack on to 2012. (laughs) A woman from Hollister, Missouri, this is about two and a half hours from Alma, placed an order on vital check in an attempt to obtain Morgan's birth certificate. Oh. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, vital check is an internet... Internet? Internet. internet Internet-based company. (laughs) That supplies certified copies of vital documents like birth, death, and marriage certificates. She was trying to claim that she was Morgan. In the beginning, investigators could not tell if the woman, her name was Tanya Smith, legitimately thought that she was Morgan or if she was trying to fraudulently steal her identity. That following year, in 2013, she was sentenced to six years probation and she had to pay a $2,500 fine. I had seen an interview that was done with Colleen shortly after, and she just looked devastated. Yeah. I mean, um, can you imagine your daughter is missing for 2012, so 18 years at this point. 19, oh, I thought 1990, 1995, yeah. Yeah. So I just think about how old we were at the time. (laughs) Um, So, like, 17, your daughter is missing for 17 or 18 years, and some 
piece of human garbage tries to steal her identity mm-hmm. and claim to be her. Well, and like, where were her, where was her mind at? This Tanya, like, like her parents wouldn't recognize her. Yeah, she would. She wasn't that. Wouldn't have been that old. She would have still looked and sounded and been like that. Yeah, like she was as a child. You know. Well, no, she was abducted in ninety five, and this right. was in twenty twelve. But still, like, you don't change that much. You know, like, I can look at pictures of myself as a as a kid. Like, of course I'm grown now, but I still have the same features. Yeah. And there are still things about my voice and stuff that are the same. There are things that have changed, of course, but there are things that, are, that a parent would recognize. Yeah. So maybe she thought because she was a white woman with blonde or, mm, like, brownish hair. It's, it's disturbing. Now, a few years ago, in 2019, the Morgan Nick Foundation received the Victim of Crime Assistance Grants to continue to help families of missing adults, and they were able to hire seven more people onto their staff. Wow. Colleen said, this this gives me good goosebumps, good chills. So Colleen said, we've already served 291 families and the law enforcement agencies and we've seen 27 people recovered already. Wow. And that's since October 1st of this year. By this year, she was meaning 2019. That's awesome. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Like, the Morgan Nick Foundation does so much for the state of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And Colleen is just out there. She's willing to talk to anyone. She's willing to do anything to do try they, to find her. Do they focus mainly on the state of Arkansas? I believe so. Okay. So, um, I could be wrong, mm-hmm. but... I remember, like, I remember moving to Missouri, mm-hmm. and no one knew who Morgan Nick was. Wow. They didn't know anything. And, and it, with it being so close, that's crazy. Yeah. So, uh, where I lived in Springfield, it was less than four and a half hours away, but mm-hmm. no one, none of my friends knew who Morgan Nick was. They didn't have the same reaction to stranger danger as I did. No, none of my friends had passwords with their parents. Right. So, it was just such, like, a strange thing to go from... A community that had had such an importance on stranger mm-hmm. danger to move somewhere where I mean it's not that it wasn't practiced but no one had the same rules that we did growing right. up it wasn't to the same level mm-hmm. absolutely now they have one member of their staff that does their education piece and this is the person who goes to all of the schools and they said that uh, she has face-to-face presentations where she has had face-to-face presentations with over 40,000 kids wow. in the state of Arkansas from kindergarten through college. And this is on subjects like little kid safety, home alone safety, sex trafficking, and being sure you know your home phone number. Mm-hmm. That was a big thing. And one thing that we were taught, I don't know if this is something that your parents or your community taught, was you have to know your mom's name. Mm-hmm. You can't, like, if <laughs> she's not lost mom. in the store, <laughs> no. Yeah. It's it's hope. Yeah. It's Farah. It's whoever. Yeah. It's you can't yell mom because then all the moms in the area are gonna come searching for you. Right. In April of 2021, so this is just recently, they locally released a documentary covering Morgan's case, and in May they claim to have had 300 new tips. Wow. That's new in all capitals, bold. 300 new tips called into the Alma Police Department. Jeff Pointer, the current police chief in Alma, says that with the case being an open, active investigation, we can't call them back and give them details on the results of the lead. 
We want them to understand that an investigator is looking at every lead as they come in. This winter of 2021, they're releasing a docu-series on Morgan's disappearance called Still Missing Morgan on Paramount+. And I'm going to close out by giving you the phone numbers that you need if you have any information. If you have any leads relating to the abduction of Morgan Nick, please contact the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children at 1-800-THE-LOST, which is also 1-800-843-5678. If you would like to contact the Morgan Nick Foundation, you can call them at 877-543-HOPE, which is 877-543-4653. And their mailing address is P.O. Box 1033, Alma, Arkansas, 72921. <clears throat> We're going to find her. We, I, feel, I feel good about it. We're going to find her. I mean, if they're getting that many new tips 30 years later, mm-hmm. we've got to find her. We've got to find her. Or at least find who's responsible. Mm-hmm. That gets you one step closer. Yeah. Let's scroll back up. I'm going to read <clears throat> that description one more time. Yes. <laughs> okay. So this man... Back in 1995, was a white male between the ages of 23 and 38, plus 26. So now he's in his late 50s, early 60s. Mm-hmm. At the time, he was around 180 pounds, medium build. He still should be six foot tall. At the time, he had slicked back salt and pepper hair with a mustache, a one-inch thick beard, and a hillbilly accent. Hillbilly accent. A hillbilly accent. <laughs> And keep it, one thing that I forgot to mention was that even the kids had mm. said that this man looked creepy. Oh. So. I'm, I'm kind of picturing like that. It was very 90s, like the very 90s kind of grease ball yeah. looking type. Mm-hmm. Yep. If a kid thinks you're creepy, you're, you're creepy. creepy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I am going to take us to Fayetteville, Arkansas. It sits in the Ozarks, and you know what the Ozarks are? I do not know, did not know what the Ozarks were. You didn't know what the Ozarks no, were? No, well, the only thing I knew about the Ozarks was the show. Oh, my gosh. And I love the show. <laughs> I've never seen it. I've heard that it, like, is such, like, it shows such a bad side of the Ozarks. It probably does, because the show is a little bit bad, but, <laughs> like, you don't let it represent the Ozarks. Just enjoy the show for what it is. If you need to, okay. just place it somewhere else. Just okay. pretend it's not in the Ozarks, because um, it's pretty good. Um, so I looked at pictures of the Ozarks and holy moly, it is beautiful. Mm -hmm. It is gorgeous. Yes. I didn't know something like that even existed. It's called the natural (laughs) state for a reason. It's crazy. It is gorgeous. So for those of you who were like me and did not, do not know (laughs) what the Ozarks are, it's kind of like a small mountain range as far as mountain range sizes go. Yeah. Um, but it goes over Northern Arkansas and into Missouri and like I said, the pictures are absolutely stunning. Um, there's like cliffs and you can see literally mountains for miles and miles and miles. Um, and then there's Lake of the Ozarks and which looks like a party spot. It just looks it so cool. Just beautiful all around. Fayetteville is in the northwest corner of the state. It is a, at the time it was a very heavily populated hunting ground for the Osagi. And is it Osagi? Osage? I don't 
No, I, I think don't know it's what you're talking about. And it's a um, Native American tribe. I'm pretty, oh. I'm fairly confident it's Osagi. Okay. I'm not even going to look it up. That's how confident I am. <laughs> and it eventually would become home to the Cherokee tribe. Yeah, that's the tribe that I'm from. Yeah. So. The city was founded in 1828, only 17 years before this case took place. So I'm taking this like way back. Oh, wow. And it had not been around for very long, not even two decades. Uh, the pioneers settled at the bottom of Mount Sequoia to create the city of Fayetteville. The very first family ever to arrive to Fayetteville was the George McGarrah family. They built their homestead at what can now be identified as the corner of Willow Avenue and Spring Street, for those of you who are from Fayetteville. The name Fayetteville was actually carried with the pioneers because many of the group, um, the original group that came, came from Fayetteville, Tennessee. Oh, nice. Which is literally only like 30 minutes from where we are sitting right now. <laughs> literally. That's where I got married at. Yeah. <laughs> The population at the time of the case, I had to actually look up um, county seat records, which I've become very familiar with between my case in Arkansas and my case in California. Uh, apparently, these were kind of the early census, the mm -hmm. early census days, rather than counting the population in a city, they would count the population in a county. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just like, I guess, a broader way of counting, and it definitely was not like perfectly accurate or anything like yeah. that but it was close enough um so the the closest year that i could find was 1820 and at that time the population was 5362 older cases like this i have found are a little bit up in the air uh, regarding the population mm -hmm. just because the first ever re recorded census in history was collected in 1790 but the census as we know it now wasn't until 1902. So there's like... Do you know the exact date? Uh, July 1st? Yes. Is it July 1st? Yeah. It's, um, I covered that in <laughs> California. <laughs> July 1st, 1902. Um, so everything in between 1790 and 1902, that's like 100 years. Um, right? Yeah. That's 100 years. Yeah. <laughs> um... It, it really varies based on the city. Yeah. Um, more, histori more historic areas seem to have a little bit more reliable record keeping, mm -hmm. where some of these smaller towns or small at the time towns, maybe not so much. Yeah, because um, you had Betty Bob, Joe Bob, Bobville Jr. Exactly. And then, care of it. Exactly. Um, this is kind of even true today. Like, mm -hmm. some of the smaller towns, if not, there's not a lot going on there. There's probably not a whole lot of information coming out of it. Yeah. Um, Thankfully, we do keep records like marriage and stuff, so people 100 years from now, you are welcome. When you are researching our true crime, mm -hmm. we've got it all written down somewhere. It's all online. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Let's see. Fayetteville is a little bit of both the small town and the um, historic city. So the city grew very, very quickly, um, and they actually were able to keep the historic parts of it throughout that growth. So... I can appreciate a really good historic city. I, I like the older cases, and I didn't mean to pick two cases back-to-back -back that are old, but it just kind of happened that way. It's okay. We forgive you. <laughs> the current population of Fayetteville is 85,166, so tremendous growth between mm -hmm. nine, the time of this case, 1845 and 2021. It's now the third largest city in Arkansas. 
home of the University of Arkansas Razorbacks, who apparently hate everyone in college football. Yeah. I didn't know that the Razorbacks hated so many people. Yeah. So that's why when we were younger, we were taught to say boo pig suey instead of woo pig suey. <laughs> um, the longtime rivals that are on record are the Longhorns, LSU, Ole Miss, and more recently, Missouri. So... I guess the Razorbacks are just, they're just adding to their list. (laughs) Yes, they have all the rivals. Yeah. Um, Apparently, the locals of Fayetteville are also known to take, quote, their sweet time doing just about everything. Yes. (laughs) I I got such a kick out of that when I read it. Um, I also think it would drive me insane (laughs) because I pretty much function wide open, like, 90% 90% of the time. Yeah. Everything I do is like 7,000 miles an hour. Yes. It's crazy. And my husband, on the other hand, he's a little bit more like, eh. Why did we do this to I ourselves? Know. Why did we I carry know. these types of like, things? Why are you so chill? We got stuff to do, man. Yes. <laughs> it, oh, the worst is going on vacation. I start packing like a week in advance because I don't want to forget anything. Mm-hmm. He's like literally the morning of throwing stuff on the bed to be put in the suitcase. It stresses me out yes. so much. <laughs> no, I am both of you guys combined. Like I try to micro plan and then I get overwhelmed. Uh-huh. Um, and then you whenever just don't. we went to Disney, I literally finished packing the morning of. Well, you see I say this about myself. This last time we just went to Minnesota a couple weeks ago and we were only going to be gone, <clears throat> excuse me, four days, but I had such a busy week that whole week and we left on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. I didn't pack anything like until Thursday morning. Thankfully our flight wasn't until the afternoon. So I had like until noon that day. I didn't do a single thing. I didn't even clean my house before I left. What? I know. I always clean my house, make sure the laundry is done so yes. that when we get home, it's like perfect. Mm-hmm. Nope. Nothing. Dude. I know. It was rough. That's I mean, that's pregnancy for you. Yeah, it was rough. <laughs> Just blame it on the baby. <laughs> exactly. They're not here yet to defend themselves. No, they are not. <laughs> I, um, the case I'm covering is in 1845. It is a Fayetteville murder of Jonathan Selby. Who is Jonathan Selby? Jonathan seemed to be a man of many mysteries. Um, first of all, his in way of mysteries, his name may or may not have been Selby. Um, there were records that said it was Selby, S-E-L-B-Y, mm-hmm. and there are some that said it was Sibley, S-I-B-L-E-Y. Oh. Close enough, but really not the same. I mean, um, if you say it with a southern accent. Selby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you can't tell. Kinda. Um, I could not find any birth record for a, na- a man by the name of Jonathan Selby or Jonathan Sibley in the area, um, or surrounding areas for that matter. There's no record of how long he had been in Fayetteville or where he settled from. Was he even there? (laughs) I don't know. The only thing I could find is that he wound up dead. Oh. Uh, According to all records about the case, Selby, or Sibley, lived as a bachelor on his homestead a few miles outside of Fayetteville. Just living the batch life. There you go. There are also no records of him having any family in the area. He definitely did not have a wife or kids, um, but I also couldn't find parents, siblings, second nephews, twice removed cousins, nothing. Do you think it was an alias? I don't know. I have some theories about this man that that I'll tell you. Um, I did find a name possibly belonging to him that was registered on a service record index 
for a Jonathan Selby from Arkansas who served in the War of 1812. Okay. That is literally the only piece of document, the only document that I could find that had the name from Arkansas. Wow. I know. It's a little bit mind-boggling. Yeah, but for the time. I know. I don't know. I have theories. Okay. (laughs) For this case, I read a book called Murder in the County. It is a collaboration of 50 19th century true stories that took place in this county, Washington County, Arkansas, and it was written by Danelle Campbell. Um, It was really, really cool. I read a couple of chapters. I focused mainly on the chapter about this case, but I did read, like, two others, but they were good. Um, (laughs) It's kind of a quick read. Like, each chapter is its own story. So it's kind of fun just to flip through. Um, In the chapter about this case... The author referred to Selby as a recluse old man, so we can kind of assume that he just kept to himself Mm -hmm. and lived out on his homestead and did Jonathan Selby things. He wasn't bothering (laughs) anyone. No. What happened to him? (laughs) Selby. We're going to make some assumptions about Jonathan Selby before we get into what actually happened to him. Okay. Based on two pieces of information. The average life expectancy for a man in 1945 was between 50 and 60 years old. Okay? That's fairly old. I mean, for 1845. Yeah. And the youngest recorded age for soldiers in the War of 1812 was 16. Okay? With that in mind, we're going to say that the record I found about the Jonathan Selby in the War of 1812 was him. Yeah. um, We're going to assume. And... We're going to say he was at his youngest, 16 years old as a soldier. So this would bring us 33 years later, would bring us to 1845. Mm -hmm. So he would have been around 49 years old. Okay. With that in mind, I'd say during this case, he was likely between 50 and 55, based on that people didn't really live past 60 years old. So Mm -hmm. that's what we're going to assume. He's around 50. He's nearing his expiration date. Nearing expiration. And in this term, he was a recluse old man. Yes. (laughs) Um, we know he was murdered. Otherwise, we would not have a case to talk about it at all. You are correct. But there's not even a registered grave or obituary. Literally nothing. Like, even after his death. What in the world? <laughs> it was bizarre. I don't, I'm beginning to think that this man does not exist. I, I don't think it was his name. I don't think that he was who he said he was. Yeah. We're going to have more reasons to think that, too. Ugh. It is kind of interesting, though, that with there being so so little information about him, and he was obviously a loner, like, mm-hmm. where was he? Who was he? Why was he there? He was a recluse. He was a recluse. He kept to himself. <laughs> he wasn't bothering nobody. No, nope. minding his own <laughs> business. Um, next, I want to introduce you to the Burnett family. Crawford Burnett was born in 1785 to John and Elizabeth Burnett in Hanover County, Virginia. He was the middle child of five sisters and two brothers. Hmm. Big old family. Yes. Um, on all accounts, they were pretty normal. The There was nothing crazy going on in the family. No history of family issues, no recorded abuse, anything like that. Um, in 1810, Crawford married a woman by the name of Lavinia May Sharp. Oh, that is a Lavinia. name. Uh-huh. Lavinia. Nice. <laughs> Lavinia was also born in 1785. And the only family history I could find on her uh, was her father's name, Richard Sharp. Together, the couple, so Crawford and Lavinia, spent a good portion of their marriage in Patrick County, Virginia. They had at least four sons and three daughters, but the only named children on record are a son, John, born in 1811, and a daughter, Minerva, born 
Please name your daughter Minerva. Minerva. Minerva McGonagall. <laughs> Isn't that her name? I don't know. <laughs> I'm like 92% sure that it is. Um, but Minerva was born in or around 1820. It is. It's Minerva, Minerva Mag- McGonagall. McGonagall. Yes. Sorry. Sometime after 1820, the family moved to Connecticut for just a little bit, and then they ended up settling in Washington County, Arkansas, um, where they would live out the rest of their lives. Spoiler alert. Crawford and Lavinia would both have been around 60 years old at the time of this case, and their son John was around 34. What happened? What happened to Jonathan Selby? We don't know. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. Okay. <laughs> Oh. I'm just getting stressed over here with my dog. <laughs> August 12, 1845, after premeditation, Crawford, Lavinia, and their son John murdered Jonathan Selby at his home. What? <laughs> Why, you might ask. Why? <laughs> um, it was believed that Selby hoarded large sums of money at his home. He wasn't bothering anyone. Nope. And this was a complete assumption based on the sole fact that Selby paid for his 80 acres of land in cash, built his home and outbuildings himself, owned livestock, and was at one time seen putting a large, quote, large amount of money into his wallet. Okay, it was probably like $2. Right. (laughs) Well, it's a large amount of money in 1845. So those facts alone... Told everyone that he just, he had all this money. He was hiding it on his farm. Oh my gosh. The Burnett's had literally no proof at all that Selby had any more or less money than they did. I would assume he probably had a little bit more because they had like seven kids. Yeah. So kids cost money. I'm yes, just saying. they do. <laughs> Before they're even born. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, since Jonathan had no family and kept himself, the Burnett's would have very likely gotten away with the crime if... One of their own daughters had not ratted them out. Ooh, yeah. was it the only one on record, Minerva? So listen though, okay. I have I have I have feelings about this. Yes, th- by all accounts they say it was daughter Minerva. Okay. However, all accounts say that it was their fifteen-year-old daughter Minerva. Minerva was born in eighteen twenty. There's record of that. Yeah. At the time of this, she would have been twenty-five. Yeah. So I don't know if the records are wrong and meant to put twenty-five, but. Literally every single thing I read about this case said 15-year-old daughter. Maybe the people who did that had meant 15-year-old, but the only daughter that they could find was Minerva. So they assumed. And not getting a free ancestry trial, they didn't (laughs) realize that Minerva would have been 25 at the time. Right. So I don't think it was Minerva. I think it was one of Minerva's younger sisters Mm -hmm. um, because there is record that Minerva was born in 1820, so she would have been much older. Whichever daughter it was, uh, she said that her parents had planned Selby's murder and her brother John had executed it. Mm. As soon as his sister confessed, John fled to Missouri. Okay. And Crawford and Lavinia, however, were arrested right away and would go to trial on October in October 1845. The Burnett's had a somewhat famous defense attorney on their team. Um, he was by the name of Isaac Murphy. And after their case, he would become a pro-union member of the Civil War and governor of the state after the war. We're going to come back to him, so just remember his name because I I found some good information about him. Okay. 
Many attorneys on both sides of the case did not believe that the Burnett's daughter's confession was um, accurate. They they thought that she was making it up for whatever reason, um, but it didn't matter because the jury believed it, and both Lavinia and um, Crawford were found guilty on October 11th, 1845, and sentenced to death by hanging. Oh. I know. That was still a thing. <laughs> still a thing in 1845. <laughs> So that same fall, the city quickly built a hanging scaffold. It was like a whole thing. Like, the whole city got involved. They they threw it up. Well, they usually did back then because yeah. that was all their entertainment. They yes. didn't have TVs, radios. Oh, no, this was a whole thing. So they built this hanging scaffold south of the city strictly for the public execution of the Burnett's. They would become, this whole kind of area, the scaffold, um, would become a very well-used structure throughout the Civil War. Yikes. Um, yeah. And it would become known as Gallows Hill. On November 8th, 1845, it would be, it would experience its first hanging, and it would become the site where Crawford and Lavinia would be hung in a double hanging, and Lavinia would become the first woman to ever be executed in the state of Arkansas. Really? Fun fact, she would remain the only woman ever executed in the state until the year 2000. <laughs> what? Yeah, no women between 1845 and 2000. In 2000, um, a woman named Christina Riggs murdered her children and asked for the death penalty, and they gave it to her. Yeah. yeah. No. Okay. That's that's. I'm sorry. I'm gonna talk on that for a second. Let me get on my soapbox. Okay. Do not. Sorry. <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> no. Do not give someone who asks for the death penalty the death penalty. Oh, I agree. They should spend the rest of their lives in prison. Yep. Like, I don't care. I remember that one guy who, like, died in prison and he was brought back to life. And he was like, oh, well, technically I served my life sentence. No. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. No. I don't remember what his name was. No. They will live out the rest of their lives, not their natural lives. Yeah. They should live out the rest of their lives with the memories of what they did. Yeah. I agree. Mm. Nope. She... Sorry. In a nutshell, I don't know if we'll cover her down the road, but yeah, she murdered her children, and then when it came down to it, she, like, begged the judge to give her the death penalty, and that's what they did. No. I know. I know. Mm -mm. Not long after the couple's hanging, their son John, who, remember, was hiding out in Missouri, was captured and brought back to Arkansas, where he was also convicted and hanged on December 26, 1845, on the same scaffold. Some people believe that the Burnett's nephew on Lavinia's side, Hardin Sharp, was also involved. Um, there was reportedly a statement from him used in the conviction, um, but there's no record ho- of him being included in the trial at any point. He did live in the area at the time, so maybe wouldn't be out of the question if he had been involved. Um, the Burnett's have no record of their burial, and Gallows Hill was converted into part of the National Cemetery at the start of the Civil War. Nice. So, remember, I said we have to go back to um, their attorney, Isaac Murphy. Mm-hmm. Um, before doing that, I'm going to give you a little bit of a trigger warning. Um, it does talk about some Civil War-esque massacres and stuff. Mm, fun. Uh, yeah, it's not great. Um, maybe some innocent people, so sorry. Hey, everybody. It is Kelsey coming to you from Editing Night, and I am just stopping in to put a little disclaimer here about the information you're about to hear about the Huntsville Massacre. Um, 
when I went back and looked at my notes, I realized that this actually took place in Huntsville, Arkansas, not Huntsville, Alabama, as I previously thought. Um, this admittedly uh, threw me off a little bit because I only looked at one source about this information and I know I should have checked my facts. Um, however, the source said Huntsville it did not refer to a state and coincidentally in the information it said Madison County so I immediately thought Huntsville Alabama is in Madison County um, and then I realized after a little bit further research tonight that Huntsville Arkansas is also in Madison County so I just wanted to make sure um, that I cleared that up so you all are aware of what state this actually took place uh, as I was doing research on this case, there was a side note about Isaac Murphy that I just happened to check out out of literally pure curiosity. Mm -hmm. It was like um, a little hyperlink <laughs> um, that said he played a murky role in an infamous massacre of Confeder Confederate sympathizers. So naturally I had to click on this hyperlink. Yes. It brought me to a synopsis written by Peggy Rogers. The, mas the, uh, the aforementioned massacre is known in history as the Huntsville Massacre. In 1856, Murphy and two of his daughters moved to Huntsville before the Civil War started. Okay. He was elected into the state Senate that same year, and in 1861 was elected to represent Madison County as a Unionist delegate. So a Unionist delegate is basically the person to speak for the people in support of the Union mm -hmm. at the time. Remember, Civil War. This was a whole thing. Yes. As a Union supporter, he was very unpopular. Um, oh, yeah. He and, yeah. He and his daughters were often harassed by Confederate supporting citizens. Um, it was like he was common knowledge that he supported the Union. He represented the Union. Mm -hmm. In November 1862, Murphy's daughters, were they had gone out to visit him at one of the bases. Um, and they were escorted back to, part of the way back to their home, um, and 25 union by 25 union soldiers who after the daughters left were attacked by confederate militia and 18 of them were killed oh man yeah this pissed off the union they i mean yes it was a very sensitive time um <laughs> murphy and the union general heron were given orders to head east which would have taken them directly through madison county um where they would have the opportunity to con confront the Confederate citizens who harassed Murphy's daughters and killed so many of their men. They were stationed there for only a couple of days, but during this time, the troops arrived in early January 1863. Um, they captured nine citizens who were believed to be supporters of the Confederacy. Um, on January 10th, 1863, the names are Chesley Boatwright, William Berry, Hughes Samuel Berry, John Moody, Askin Hughes, John Hughes, Watson Stevens, Parson Coleman, and either John or Bill Parks? John or Bill. I don't, we don't okay. know. <laughs> um, the, those nine men were shot execution style just outside of town. Oh, wow. All but two of the men died immediately. Uh, wait, I'm sorry. Um, you're telling me that they shot them execution style? Uh-huh. And they didn't and die. And they didn't die. Yes. That's what I'm telling you. <laughs> okay. John or Bill... <laughs> John or Bill Parks survived.
survived the shot and crawled a quarter of a mile to the Vaughn house um, where the woman who lived there helped him and um, nursed him back to health. Um, where he was able to tell the story of what happened and identified the men responsible. Um, That's probably why it's one or the other. He doesn't want to be known. Right. (laughs) She's just John or Bill. Um, And then after he recovered, he moved to Mississippi. He was was out. Okay. Um, The other man who survived was Hugh Berry, and unfortunately he did only live for one day. But it was long enough for him to corroborate Parks' story, um, so I guess he was with it enough to be able to confirm that it was the same people mm-hmm. that Parks had said. Um, the troops responsible for this attack were under the supervision of Lieutenant Colonel Elias Briggs Baldwin. He denied being responsible for the murders and um, said that he was not responsible for violating the Sixth Article of War. Um, if if you don't know what the Sixth Article of War was, is I don't. Uh, neither did I. <laughs> um, apparently, it's illegal in war. It's illegal in war. It, illegal in war. Okay, that sounds okay. It's illegal in war to execute prisoners of war before they have been adequately tried, convicted, or sentenced to a crime. So, if someone is accused of a crime within war, a war crime. Mm-hmm. That's what that's called. Yes. Um, they cannot be killed. They can't be put in jail without being sentenced to it. They can be held until their trial, but it has to be proven that they've done whatever they're accused of. Okay. Um, Baldwin was put on trial, and the case was dependent on testimonies from Isaac Murphy and General Heron, the two who had the orders to show up in Huntsville. Um, but neither of them showed up to the trial. Of course not. Nope. Because of this, the case was dropped, and Baldwin was honorably discharged. Really? Yeah. I know. <sighs> uh, there was not any evidence that proved Murthy, Mur- Murthy. Murphy was linked to the actions of Baldwin's troops, um, and it was never confirmed if the eight men killed had any connection to the 18 Union soldiers who had been killed. Um, it was literally, could have been, these men could have been involved. Um, it they could have not been involved. A lot of people said that they had nothing to do with it, but um, that could be your question that you can ask whenever yeah. you get, whenever you die. Yeah, that could be your one question <laughs> if it means that much to you. Yes. <laughs> Apparently, we even have a monument in Huntsville. Do we really? In memory of the men killed during the massacre, it was erected in 2005 at a Freemasons lodge. It's on private property, and it is not accessible without invitation from the Freemasons. Oh, where where can we become friends with Freemasons? Um, my husband's grandpa was a Freemason. What? I uh, know he's got. We used to have a pickup, R.I.P. Pickup. <laughs> I may or may not know something about that. Oh. Um, yep. <laughs> but um, on the back of his pickup, he had the Freemasons like emblem. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. It was like kind of carved into the light, actually. So. Um, Tell me again how we're going to get to see this. Well, I don't know. I'm pretty sure you have to be invited to be a Freemason. Like, I don't think you can just sign up. Yeah. <laughs> Not like the Girl Scouts. You I just mean, put your name down. <laughs> I, I've met some pretty interesting people through work. Like, I'm, I am now friends with the police captain I mean, here in hey, That's a so, good connection to have. It is a very good. Uh, we also have a kid at our office who plays. He's not a kid. But he uh, plays for a grown man. Uh, the Texas something baseball team, like the Rangers or something. Huh. I want to say Texas Rangers, but then I'm just thinking Walker, Texas yeah. Rangers. 
Oh, the tangents we get on. Uh, yeah, uh, but Matt said that when he, like, when he was a kid, they would have, like, these, I don't want to call it, they're not ceremonies, they were, like, meetings, I guess, mm-hmm. the Freemasons meetings, and the, the boys would get to go with him, and he said that, like, it, they just would chill, and they would do whatever Freemasons do. I know, I have so many questions, and have you seen National Treasure? Yeah. I'm, I mean... They're secrets. We need an I know. invite. I know. Get us an invite. <laughs> Maybe Matt is like an honorable Freemason or something. Yes. Oh, we're going to find out. Okay, if he's not listeners, um, there are now 58 of you guys. Yes. I know some of you are in Germany, and we have a few people in India, so I don't know if you guys can help. <laughs> if anyone can help, please let us see the statue. Yes. And also, I need to know the secrets. I need. I would like to also know the secrets. <laughs> But I'm also bad at keeping secrets. Well, then you're definitely not going to get invited to the Freemasons. Just edit that out. <laughs> I'm good at keeping secrets for other people. Yeah. I'm I'm so bad at keeping secrets for myself. Well, well yeah. they, might, they might frown. Yeah. Anyway, digressing back to Arkansas. Uh, that is the murder of Jonathan Selby or Sibley, who may or may not have been a very wealthy bachelor living in Fayette. Arkansas. So wait, did we not know if he actually had um, money? So this is what I just have on here. There's no record stating that they even found any money after they killed him. Dude. I know. So what I think is that one, Jonathan Selby was not his real name. No. I think he was living off the grid for some reason. Yes. Maybe he was a Freemason. And he could be a Freemason. <laughs> and that could be why he only paid in cash. Yeah. He only paid in cash. Um, and he had literally no ties to anyone, and I think he probably did have ties, but not under that name. Yes. And then I also want to give you some food for thought. Okay. What if the daughter who confessed ratted out the family and took the money for herself? Oh. I know. I mean, she was only 15, supposedly, but still, I mean, 15-year-olds got to make money. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I know. I went into this case thinking, oh, it'll be open and shut. I have so many more questions. I have more questions. Who is this man? Did he actually have money? Is $2 a lot of money back then? (laughs) I would think so. I would assume so as well. Surely. Did she take the money? I know. What happened to Minerva? (laughs) Um, Obviously, she moved to England, started working at... Hogwarts. uh, Hogwarts. Like... Obviously. Change your last name to McGonagall. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be known as the Burnett's daughter either. No. Minerva Burnett. No. But Minerva McGonagall. Has a ring to it. It does, it does. Has a nice ring. All right, everybody. Um, If you want to find us on Facebook, we are at... Oh, you always do Facebook. I'm sorry. Let me back up. If you want to find us on Patreon... You can search Killer Country Podcast on Patreon. If you would like to find us on Facebook, you can find us at facebook.com backslash Killer Country Podcast. We're also on Instagram where you can see all of our case pictures um, as we travel through the different states. And on Instagram, we are at Killer Country Podcast. And if you would like to send us an email for our campfire stories or our listener tales, whatever we're going to decide to call that... <laughs> If you have any case recommendations, anything like that, or if you just want to email us because 
You one of us. You love us. And you have a way to get us into the Freemasons. Oh, um, yeah, send that. <laughs> our email is killercountrypodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. All right. Thanks for coming to Arkansas with us. We're still working on this, this ending. This outro. Oh, but what do you guys think about the music, though? I yes. mean... Oh, I cry. I know. It's awesome. It is so nice. Yep. Let me... I'm going to put a plug out there for Aaron. Um, he's my friend Aaron Stapler, Stapled Together Music. He is so incredibly talented. He plays yes. all over Huntsville live, so if you guys are ever interested in... If you're from Huntsville. I mean, if you want to come from India to see him, too, I'm sure he'd appreciate it. He would love that. Yeah. All right, y'all. We will... Oh. Tell who our missing person oh, from yeah. Arkansas is. <laughs> so, the problem that I'm having with the Arkansas missing persons database is I'm not getting information mm-hmm. on this person. So, I, I did research on this girl and I could not find anything. All I can find is that her name is Caitlin Corella. Her aliases, she could be Caitlin Ashley Corella. So, maybe she's one of those few cool people that go by their middle names. Mm-hmm. I know I am one of them. So she could be Ashley Corella. She could be Caitlin, Caitlin Ashley Corella. Pause. Gates is your middle name? Yeah. What's your first name? Victoria. What? <laughs> How did I know this? It's tradition to go by our middle names in my family. Huh. So. Well. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you, you don't look like a Victoria anyway. No. <laughs> I am a Gates through and through. Yes. Her name is Caitlin Corella. She is 16 years old. Her height is 5 foot 7, and at the time that she went missing on October 5th, 2021, she was 107 pounds. She has brown hair. She's white. She has green eyes, and the city that she went missing in was Sherwood, Arkansas. So, Brittany, if you're listening to this, keep an eye out for her. Her case number is 202 one zero three two seven eight seven it doesn't have anything under identifying features from this picture that i have it just looks like an id picture she's smirking it looks like she has a nose ring on her left side and it looks like a little hoop of course i know that you can get rid of those Mm -hmm. um she has a side part over her left eyebrow well, she has a side part. I guess she's Aww. not really a Gen Zer. She no. has a side part. <laughs> so, if you have any information, please contact the Sherwood Police Department. Her. Please contact the Sherwood Police Department. Their number is 501 835 1425. Again, the Sherwood Police Department's number is 501 835 1425.